Welcome to the Oasis Revival Ministry podcast and sermon of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Daniel McGear. For more sermons or info regarding our church, visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za. Awesome. All right, Father, we we here this morning in your presence. We ask you, Jesus, that you just come and prepare our hearts and um, that you'll speak to those that, that are listening and that you'll open our ears and open our hearts. Father, that you'll bring incredible change to our lives. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Just come and do that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. This is our last um, week. We've been doing four weeks of um, just talking about what God wants to do with our identity for the next decade. How many of you are ready for the next decade? All right. If you're 45 now, you'll be 55 at the end of this period, right? <laughs> I'll be 45 at the end of this period. There we go. <laughs> um, and uh, so often, and let me just clarify, uh, and I just gave an intro last week where I just said, you know, this isn't about trying to say what is going to happen in the next 10 years. This is about what God wants to do in your identity to prepare you for the next 10 years. So we kick off the next decade in January this year. And so we, we go into the 2020s and um, we're looking forward to... Hearing some new music, which we can now replace with the previous century's 20s music. And how many of you know God does things in, like, the world does things in every 10 years. There's these sections and series. And, and God is just taking us into an amazing 10 years. And he, wanted, he wants to prepare our hearts for this. What, what we felt was, is that for this last 10 years, how many of you know we really had to overcome to get through these 10 years? As a nation, we really had to overcome major battles. We really had to work through stuff that was extremely challenging. I know that every household has had challenges. And so when you get through it, you are an overcomer. Say with me, I am an overcomer. And so these next 10 years is about what the overcomer can achieve once he is overcome. All right, by then I would, you know, I'd be looking pretty excited, you know, about being an overcomer in the next 10 years. I guess it's like after the World Cup and we win it. Now what, right? (laughs) Now what? And that's the question. Now what? So God wants to come and he wants to do something in our character and in our nature that sets us up for the 10 years. And so we've spoken a bit about the fact that God wants to give us a new name. Uh, We've spoken about how... um, God wants to just, you know, I'm actually forgetting my, what I spoke on last week, just as I'm standing here. I was like, I'm, but anyway, <laughs> what he's also saying that this week is, and this is just the last in the four, I forgot to write those four points here, but it says, you will no longer, this is the last point, you will no longer be termed forsaken, but God's delight will be in you, and you will be owned and protected by God. And this comes out of Isaiah 62. And what we're feeling as this, this, what this means, you will no longer be termed forsaken. You will no longer 
feel alone. You will no longer feel isolated. You will no longer feel separate from God in some way. God is doing something in your nature where you will constantly feel connected because you won't be forsaken anymore. Not that we were ever forsaken. It's just sometimes when we have those feelings of doubt and anxiousness, we feel alone. How many of you know that's what fear does? It makes you feel alone. So yes, just this paragraph I just want to read to you, just with regards to what it means to not be turned forsaken. It says, the delight that God has in you will feel like the sun's rays on a cold winter's morning. Already we are starting to feel the excited glow of his presence when we think about the plans that he has for us. Don't forsake your dreams in this time, but delight in them because God delights in you. God's delight for us will be marked by the commitment that other people make to the vision God is giving us. All right, And that's just speaking prophetically, even over our nation, never mind just our church. God is giving our nation a vision. And his delight will be, um, I'm just trying to get my place there. God's delight for us um, will be marked by the commitment that other people make to the vision God is giving us. New relationships and networks will be formed by people who want to see the sound of praise fill the earth. That's already starting to happen. Our economy will be stimulated and energized by a constant flow of good news. Yeah, this. Our economy is going to be stimulated by a flow of good news. Okay? This is the time to soak up God's favor and recognize that he created us for this moment. And God will not allow the abandoned to go forsaken. He's going to change our names. This is part of the changing names. If you've felt abandoned, he's going to change your name. In my life, I went through a process where God even changed. You know, Daniel means God is my judge. (laughs) That can feel very lonely sometimes. Like God's judging me the whole time. (laughs) And one day he opened up scripture and it just says he will be a father to the fatherless and a judge to the widows. And I realized that the judge and the father means the same thing. So you're not alone anymore my name changed to God is my father. All right, that, that counts for all of us here. God is more your father than your judge. And when he judges, he judges righteousness. So he's always demonstrating kingdom. And we take on that role. And we, we're, we're not walking around on earth judging people, but God is giving us a sort of bravery, the sort of courage to say, This is what kingdom looks like. And this is not what kingdom looks like. All right, do you see the difference? (laughs) When, When the Bible says the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities, what he's saying is our eyes must be open not to be looking at people going, you know, I don't like this and that person and what. It's about declaring this is not God and this is of God. And we're, we're, we're judging in the spiritual realm. So we, we tap into the spirit and we bring into every environment the kingdom in that moment. All right? That wasn't in my notes. Completely free. Um, that was a joke. You can also laugh. All right? <laughs> God will not allow the abandoned to go forsaken. He will lift those who have been forgotten. 
and place those who are alone in houses of praise. <laughs> I'm not just saying he's going to place you in churches, but he's going to place you in environments where you cannot but stand and be in awe in what God is doing. And so even now, many people are being lifted up out of places where they felt alone and they've been placed in environments where God's presence is just constantly around them. And, and it's like Jesus says, come to me all who are thirsty. So there's this like deep thirst that is being quenched in God's presence. And that's what God is doing right now. So keep that in your mind. And um, I want to go to Jeremiah's, Jeremiah, Jeremiah's book, Jeremiah 15 verse 19. And I just want to pull some things out of Jeremiah, um, just once again to highlight. It's, it's one of my favorite um, books. Let me just open my water here. All right, Em. God is saying, God's delight will be in you. How many of you know God delights in you? Thank you, Pamela. There we go. We got to, that's one person. Okay, the rest, the sermon is for you. God delights in you. Okay. God delights in you. And in Jeremiah, if you read the book of Jeremiah, sometimes these prophetic books can get pretty difficult to read in a setting, right? It's like really confusing. So let me just help you out. The Babylonians and the Chaldeans were coming in and they were taking over the land. And um, there was great fear and uncertainty about the future of the country. The economy was going down. Houses were being sold. Some people were immigrating to New Zealand. <laughs> Jeremiah's like, as long as they go to New Zealand and not Australia, all right? It's just a joke. All right. I love Australians. And... <laughs> School systems were changing. Um, you know, all of those things were happening. You know, people were spending too much time on Instagram. It, it was just a mess, okay? <laughs> and so the enemy is coming in. The Babylonians are coming in. And really, uh, the Babylonians is a symbol of two things. It's a symbol of captivity. Um, for us now, if we read into it, you know, and if we apply it, it's a symbol of captivity. It, it's, it's also a, a, a symbol of a form of paganism in a way that, that the Israelites were captured because of the fact that they held on to pagan beliefs, idolatry, and God used the Babylonians to come and, and take them out of that environment. So they're coming in because the environment of the day is a very addicted environment, drawn to false gods, drawn to sexual addiction, drawn to all sorts of things 
that are uncomfortable to speak about. I know that in our schools right now we're facing a flood of pagan belief that the government wants to use to change the culture of our children. In their words, they want to humanize our children. And we can either moan about it and complain about it, or we can adopt a brave position. Does that make sense? And let me tell you what, a brave position, position isn't sign a petition on Facebook. That's not being brave. Brave means we actually define the culture in our environments, in our schools. And we're not going to allow our culture to be dictated to us by idolatry and pagan belief systems and atheism. <laughs> There's a point where it goes too far. And a lot of our ministry friends overseas have really adopted a strong position. But that position doesn't start by being the opposition. Does that make sense? It starts by serving your community. It starts, Bethel for instance, when the police force in their town didn't have finances, and they were going to start laying off policemen, Bethel said, we will cover the deficit. So you have a church that's paying for police force salaries, helping out in the community, right? They maintain these city council buildings. They when the, we've, I've shared this before, but when the fires came through last year, they gave every resident that lost something in Reading, what was it, $2,000? Without asking whether they're Christians or not. So what happens is you get given a place of influence and authority. And so we have to start asking ourselves, what is our place of influence in our community so that A, we have trust, and B, we have authority. We can't come in as an opposition force. But we can say this is kingdom and this isn't. Does that make sense? It's a brave, strong position. Now linked to that, and this is what I want to talk about today, is the fact that when Jeremiah was a prophet, everyone was afraid. Everyone was afraid. I mean, I would probably, if I'm in his position, I would be afraid too. They literally had armies marching in. How many of you will not be afraid when an, another army marches into your country? <laughs> okay. When that happens, it's like we're getting out of here. And God comes and he says to Jeremiah, and this is the crux of the whole book of Jeremiah if you read it. He tells Jeremiah, don't leave. Because I will protect you. And I will keep you safe. And there's a verse that speaks about the fact that they all wanted to go to Egypt. And all of the Israelites said, we're going to Egypt. And God says, the sword is going to chase you all the way to Egypt. <laughs> what God is saying in these days is if you don't 
Find the kingdom in your heart. It doesn't matter where you go on earth. You're not going to find peace. Until you look for the kingdom inside of you. And a lot of the things we think are problems are actually inside problems. Where we need to find the kingdom and have God manifested. May your will be done in our hearts as it is in heaven. That's the first step to your will being done on earth. It's easy to pray, God, will your will be done on earth, out there, and all those other people, as it is in heaven. And God's saying, I want to do my will inside of your heart. And so, he says, and this is just so relevant today, it says, if you return and give up this mistaken tone of distrust and despair, then I will give you, again, a settled place of quiet and safety. Notice the words, mistaken tone of mistrust and despair. <laughs> so, this is, that's Jeremiah 15 verse 19. He's telling them, guys, if you, if you just start praying in a different way, instead of this tone of distrust, like, like God doesn't love me, and God doesn't care about me, but I'm going to pray to God anyway. Dear God... <laughs> You know, and if you read it, the people really thought, because I mean, physically it looked that way, that they were in for, they were in for it. And God just wanted them to realize that the enemy was coming because they had not followed him. The enemy was coming because they had not stayed in his presence. And God's saying, I'm, I'm going to clean you guys out unless. You return to me. You see, the problem with sin is sin comes in when we don't trust God. Sin comes in to our lives when we don't understand that He really delights in us. I love my wife. It's easy to talk to her about her because she's not here today. <laughs> I love my wife. I love her so much. And our kids. But one day God said, but do you have full delight in her? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying, you know, it's like when you get irritated about little things. God said, if you had delight in your wife, you wouldn't be irritated by those little things. <laughs> and so I started to look at her in a whole new way. Just practicing delight. See, God says, delight yourselves in me, and I will give you, come on, say that, delight yourselves in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. Now, if you go to another church, not this church, they will tell you that your own desires are evil. Hello? Hello? See, that's a misplaced trust in the nature of God. A misplaced tone. <laughs> because if you delight yourselves in God, He gives you... Come on, just think about what you're saying. Does that scripture say, delight yourselves in God and He will give you what He wants to give you in His time at His, at His place? Is that what it says? Delight yourselves in me and I'll give you my will to do. Delight yourselves in me and I'll only give you the little bit. 
When I was just out of school, I didn't have any self-worth because I didn't understand that God loves me so much. And I used to pray with all my heart, God, one day will, will, you, just, will you just give me a wife? And then I used to see this picture, you know, that I would like, I would be in the queue and they would hand out wives and I would just get the one no one wanted, you know, like. <laughs> okay, this is just me on my own, you know. <laughs> I'm so glad God didn't do that to me. Like, <laughs> so I made first, we were the first to get married out of all our friends, all right? So I picked, you know, from the front, not from... <laughs> Delight yourselves in me and I will give you... Okay, that's the end of the sermon. Done, we can go home. <laughs> that's got to become a reality in the way we pray. We've got to understand, God, man, I'm just so thankful that you delight so much in me. And the tone of voice that is hearing in your prayer is one that says, God, I trust you fully. I love you fully. I'm so excited to be in your presence. I'm so excited to just spend time with you. Yesterday morning, I was like, I want to get some, you know, now I'm alone at home, you know. So I'm like, I'm going to go get some time with God, get the dog, climb the mountain, it's going to be amazing, and I'm going to have just time in his presence. And if any of you have been in the felt just after the first rains in summers, you know that the flying ants come out in the morning. And I put on my brightest orange shirt, and I'm trying to have quiet time on a rock in his presence. It's like, and eventually we just had to walk because you could have sit down and I'm like God I'm trying to have quiet time here but <laughs> I'm running from your ants thanks God you know like so you, you just got to have this tone with God that says God this is just so much fun being in your presence and you know what he does he points his light onto you and he shows you the desires of your heart and so I went to pray about something and I'm praying and I just heard this voice that says, is, is that really true? I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm listening and I realized the stuff I went to pray about was misplaced expectation and trust. And God said, you've taken a reality and put it there that doesn't exist, but I'm just going to reveal the reality. And that's what it does when we enter into his presence. Jeremiah 33, we're moving through Jeremiah and it says in, in verse 3, it says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things, fenced in and hidden, which you do not know. When you delight in someone, there is an intimacy that can only be known between you and that person. <laughs> there is a, how many of you know that very few people can come into your intimate space? There's things that Bernadine and I speak about that are fenced in. No one will have the conversation I have with Bernadine, no one. 
I'm not hiding it from anyone. It's just good things fenced in. See, that's the kind of relationship God wants to have with you. <laughs> How many of you know when you, there's certain levels of, there's certain boundaries that you have in your life. So in my life, there's only one person, not even my children, can have the conversations I have with Bernadine. Then in, our, in my life, there's, a, there's another little fence, you know, that's for the, three, the four kids. We just keep them in a fence there, you know, <laughs> controlled space. You know, parents know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> and then outside of that fence, there's, there's another little fence. And there's, there's a couple of close friends in that space. And then outside of that space, you know, there's, there's people that, that, you know, like you guys are all in that space now, the next one, right? <laughs> some are close friends, some aren't close friends. But you know what? We love you guys. Super amazing. Then I go to checkers, right? And I see someone that I know, but Jesus says we must love everyone, so you wave at them from far. You're like, hey! <laughs> right? But they're not going to come into my friendship space. They're not going to come into my close friend space. They're not going to come into my wife space. No one but my wife is in my wife space. And yeah, God is saying... I want to call to me and I'll answer you great and mighty things fenced in and hidden which you do not know. He's talking about intimacy here. He's not talking about hidden secrets and, and things that, that are hidden from, you know, that you, you keep a secret. He's talking about intimacy. He's talking about an incredible closeness. And this is what God is doing. He's, he's opening up our hearts as overcomers to have a relationship with him that is incredibly close and intimate. And this is Jeremiah. And this is Jeremiah in the country where the enemy is coming in. God's saying, don't run, but come and be intimate with me. As guys, we struggle to be intimate with a man God, right? With a he God. <laughs> I struggle to watch musicals. How many of you other men, you know, when you watch a musical and this guy walks into a market and he just starts singing for no reason and everyone knows the same song, I get this like awkward like, <laughs> and the women are like, oh, you know, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> You see, it's okay to be intimate with God. It's okay to get into, it's manly to get into that space. It's manly to have God as a husband. And he wants to whisper things that only he can whisper and say to you. And it really is only in that intimate space that he can say that. But we must watch rugby. All right. For thus says the Lord, concerning the houses of the city and the houses of the kings which are born, verse 4, which are torn down to make a defense against the siege mountain before. And you see what the people did is they started to break down their houses to build defense walls. And today God is saying, don't break down your dreams. 
Don't break down the desires of your heart. Don't break down your inheritance. Don't cash it in early to form a defense. But come and rest in my presence. I just feel there are people that are on the verge of losing what they've worked hard for. And maybe you've been saying in your mind, should I give that up? Should I perhaps sell that? Should I move away from that? To protect me from this thing that I'm so afraid of. And God says, when you're in my presence, you don't have to break down what I've already given you. Hello? When you're in my presence, you don't have to break down what I've given you. (laughs) There's that song, he gives and he takes away. I said, don't sing the second part. Because God gives, but he never takes away. I couldn't sing it. I couldn't sing. He gives and takes away. He gives and takes. I can't sing it. And still my heart will say, blessed, you'll notice we don't sing that part. Because if blessed be the name of the Lord, then blessed be, he's delighting in me. (laughs) I'm delighting in God. He will not give and then take away. But what does he take away? He takes away the enemy. He takes away that which is wicked. He takes away that which is destructive. And if you sing that song with the wrong mentality, <laughs> then you're going to be standing there going, and, and that's okay, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> but man, if you realize that God gives and gives and gives and gives and gives, Don't take what he's given you and sell it or break it up to protect yourself against something which he hasn't sent your way. He gives and he'll take what you're afraid of away. But don't sell your inheritance. Scripture says the righteous will leave an inheritance for their children's children. That means that the the righteous, come on, the righteous are not forsaken. (laughs) The righteous are not left alone. The righteous don't live in fear. The righteous live by faith. So the righteous leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Because in his life, he's never taken what has been given. And broken it up in fear. And so, sitting on the mountain yesterday, God just said, don't make decisions when you're afraid. It's not a good time to make a decision. If you're afraid, don't make a good decision. Don't make a big decision. Unless you're making a decision out of God's delight. And so when you feel God's delight in your life, you get excited about the decisions you make. And when you make the decision, everyone around you will celebrate your decision. That's normally the sign that you've made a decision out of God's delight. You come and you're like, I can't wait to share what I have decided to do. And you make the decision and people will go like, wow, that just feels 
so right. That feels so good. How many of you have had someone come and tell you the decision you're making and you're like, I'm sorry, I mean awesome, great. (laughs) Danny Silk was talking, and I think I shared this last week, but he says people come into his office and they sit and they say, you won't believe what I'm about to do. And then he says, and those are the clever ones. The other people come in and they say, you won't believe what mistake I've made. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so God, if you make a decision, don't make it out of fear. Don't make it out of anxiety. But make it out of God's delight. Out of his space. Is this good? I'm so glad there's not rugby today. Last week we were rushing for the rugby. I had to be done in six minutes. Thank you, Jesus, that the World Cup is finished. (laughs) I'm just trying to figure out where to go. Verse 8. Okay, verse 6, to take it for you. I will lay upon it health and healing and I will cure them and I will reveal to them the abundance of peace. God is going to lay health and healing on your life. If your health is a point of fear, submit that to God. Say, God, will you lay your kingdom health on my body right now? Just receive his health. (laughs) Don't get afraid. If you grow a sixth finger or something, don't worry. Right. It's just a joke, okay? <laughs> but so many of us, you know, we're brushing our teeth and we're like, what's that? Oh, flip, what? You know, Google and then turns out, you know, I don't know what. How many of you have Googled something and then you're like, I'm going to die in here and like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't. <laughs> don't. <laughs> Whenever I get the temptation to be nervous about my health, God says, you're a healthy man. You've got nothing to worry about. What we tell our people when we're praying, get a good report. Trust for a good report. We've had so many people come back with good reports. Listen, this church is not anti-doctor. I've had some churches that are anti-doctor. Don't go to the doctor. We're going to heal you here in the room. I believe in healing. But there's also doctors sitting in this room amongst us. So when there's a doctor that gives something to you and it's not kingdom and you feel... You get another, you go get a second opinion. And you ask God for a good report. And we're going to pray for a good report. Amen? Come on, there's testimonies in this room of good reports. (laughs) Doctor goes, I've got nothing more to do with you. (laughs) I can't do anything more. God's done it. We had a testimony. Where's Angie and them? Angie and them are away for the weekend and they brought their their nephew here for prayer. So I get the phone call. Listen, our nephew, they've got, he's got tumors in his brain. It's everywhere. So now I must go pray for parents who've just found out their little three-year-old has got tumors all over his brain, and the doctor said we must operate tomorrow. And there's a 50% chance that you're going to survive, that the child's going to survive. How many of you have gone to pray for someone in that position? And I walk in and I'm like, Holy Spirit, (laughs) only you. Because there's nothing I can say that can make anyone feel good or, you know, like, 
we're going to pray for a good report. Will you get a second opinion? And we put hands on him. We brought him out to church. We prayed over him. And he went to the doctor and the doctor said, these things are benign and harmless. They will never harm your child. And then he wrote at the end of the report, enjoy your children. So you get back from the doctor with a report that says, enjoy your child. That's a good report. And God did the miracle completely. All right, so... So let's get rid of all fear. Just shake off all fear. If you've got any fear on your health right now, Father, I pray, Lord, you'll come and remove that fear in Jesus' name. Father, that we won't be afraid to live lives and we won't give up time because we're afraid. But Father, will you give us the ability to live strong, healthy, radiant, joyful, physical, active lives in Jesus' name. Come on. And verse 8 says, And I'll cleanse them from all guilt and iniquity by which they have sinned against me, and I will forgive all their guilt and iniquities by which they have sinned. And Jerusalem shall be to me to be to me a name of joy, a praise and a glory before all the nations of the earth. This is really what we've been proclaiming. That year in this that year in our, our church that our personal lives will become a glory, that a name of glory, that God will forgive us the things that we've done. And this is not, Here, forgive all my sonders. Amen. you with me? It's not something we religiously pray. That's what I mean. This is, God forgives you of your guilt and shame. And when he has forgiven you of your guilt and shame, it's gone. So tomorrow night, don't pray the same prayer. <laughs> okay? It's gone. He completely forgives you but God doesn't forgive you so that you get to do it again and then be forgiven again and then you get to do it again this is what Paul says he says does this grace mean that we then sin freely he says no because when you're forgiven of your sins and you repent you are completely transformed and your name becomes joy amen so you Press forward to joy and you leave your old life behind. Paul says, I strain forward, pressing forward. So you let go of that past and you strain forward to God's goodness. To his beautiful kingdom life that he has created you for. You press into that. Psalm 17 says, You have proved my heart, verse 3, and you have visited me in the night, and you have tried me and found nothing evil in me. And here's the most important part. It says, I've purposed that my mouth will not transgress. James says, He who can control his tongue is the perfect man. All right? The perfect man is not in virgin active in front of the mirror. You know, you know that's, <laughs> that's not the perfect man. <laughs> I think it's pretty close to uh, Fuff the Clack greeting Prince Harry in his underpants. I think that's the perfect man right there. <laughs> Just kidding. 
That the Bible says the perfect man is he who can control his tongue. And, and yeah, God comes in the night and he tests. I mean, how many of you speak in the night? Can I just see? You've got to be married to know that because your wife will say, you, bro, you speak in the night. Okay. <laughs> so God tests your heart and even while you're sleeping, he finds that your tongue is controlled. Because everything that comes out of your mouth happens here in your heart. Your words rest in your heart at night. The things you say rest in your spirit. It's something we don't understand fully, but it's what it says when deep cries out to deep. God's deep comes in the night when you don't have any control over your spirit. (laughs) That's when God does most of his ministering. How many of you have woken up and you feel like, wow, that was great. All right, it, it's time to start believing that God ministers to you even in your sleep. People phone me and say, I had this dream and I was scared and I was afraid. I'm like, That's, God's trying to tell me something. I'm like, no, no, you're just afraid. <laughs> and, and the things, you know, like, the yellow bus was driving and then it didn't have a roof and then suddenly we were a boat and then we were, you know, how many of you had those dreams where it's like, don't make sense. <laughs> and I was afraid. God must be telling me something. No, God, <laughs> where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. And there's no fear. God doesn't use fear to speak to you. God comes and ministers to your heart. And he comes and tests your heart. And so he wants to find a heart that's not afraid. And that's strange because it's almost as if he's saying in this verse, if I were to read it the other way, that you can even transgress in your sleep. Like the condition of your heart. Like God comes, okay, what's happening? All right, not that don't go there. All right, angry cats, close the door. <laughs> no, no, God... God God wants to test your heart. And so Bill Johnson always speaks. He says, go, go to bed and start your day at 9 p.m. Just practically. So if it's Tuesday night, Wednesday starts at 9 p.m. Spend time in God's presence and go to bed with God thoughts. And then rest on it. That's why the scripture says don't. Don't go to bed unless you've sorted out strife. How many of you know strife multiplies in the night? Have you ever had that experience? <laughs> sort it out. And then conversely, those where two scriptures are like, you know the Bible doesn't make sense because it says one thing and then it says another thing. So it says don't go to bed unless you've sorted out your strife. It also says if you're filled with rage, go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> How many of you have had that experience where you've just been filled with rage as a married couple and then you're like, we're just going to bed? Like, tomorrow it's all going to be fine. So, and you wake up in the morning, you're like, hey, babes, what's up? Good day, see you. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and um, no, Bernadine and I never get angry. That's just, you know, I'm just talking off the top of my head, you know, like. <laughs> 
Because you see, when you're filled with rage, it's when you've given over control to something that's not. And so God says, don't go to bed unless you've sorted out something. But if it's impossible to sort it out, go to bed because I'm going to come and minister to you. And he's going to calm the rage and you're going to wake up and you're like, oh, wow, I feel good. All right? Is this good? So, God has proved my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and found nothing, no evil purpose in me. And I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. I have purposed that I won't pray out of a place of distrust. I have purposed that I won't pray out of fear. I have purposed that I won't say things out of fear. I have purposed that I won't... Come on. (laughs) I've purposed that I will speak God's kingdom. That I will have delight in God. And when he comes to me in the night, he finds that my heart is waiting for him. And I'm ready for him. And I'm going to have delight in him. That's God. And then, lastly. I didn't copy that verse in here. I have called upon you, O God, for you will hear me. Verse 6. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Show your marvelous loving kindness, you who save your right hand. Keep and guard me as the pupil of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of the wings. I just want to read the last verse in Psalms. Um, Can I read that quickly? It says, and I shall, verse 15. As for me, I will continue beholding your face in righteousness. And I shall be fully satisfied when I awake to find myself beholding your form. There's a parallel here, and we're going to end off with that, but the Bible talks about people who live in wickedness as if they're sleeping. (laughs) He says, awake, O sleeper. Wake up. Rise up out of the fear and the anxieties that have held you in darkness. So God's calling us and he's saying, wake up. But he's not saying it like I do when I wake my kids up for school. You know, I go in with Pana and Porta and I'm like, bang, 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 bang. <laughs> get out of bed, get out of, get out of bed now. Okay, you don't want to be a kid in my house and you're sleeping late because I'm going to come with a water gun or pots and pans or you know Metallica on loud you know or something to get you up out of bed okay anything <laughs> that's what our God he's saying awake with the greatest compassion and his face is gazing down on you and he's saying will you wake up and step and will you make the decision to walk out of darkness And live lives that are awake to God's delight. (laughs) Wake up to how much favor God has for your life. Will you wake up to that and see that? And it says here, when I wake up, I will find myself beholding God's form. I wake up and I'm admiring 
who God is. That's so powerful. That's so special. And the amazing thing is the parallel just goes both ways. Jesus says you're a light so you break open darkness and you're helping people see who God is. And then the word says he illumines you and and it, it just goes on. I mean I could preach for... At least, you know, a week non-stop just on <laughs> God's goodness. Never mind a week. It says Paul preached for three years in the synagogue daily. We like the... We see these signs and wonders in the Bible and all of that is so powerful but we forget that when it comes to God's goodness you can just sit and preach for years on end. That's what Paul and the apostles spent a lot of time doing as well, was just speaking about God's goodness, awakening people to the nature of God. And that really is what the gospel is. It's an awakening to God's goodness. Half the gospel says your sins are forgiven. But most, most of the gospel is now, here is your new identity. Here is my identity, and we awaken to something that we've never seen before. God's amazing goodness. Isn't that amazing? Cool. So, let's stand. Awake, O congregation, from your seats. Free your bums. (laughs) Can we do that alive song again? Is that lacquer? I think that was quite fitting. And we're gonna we're gonna do that a live song and 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 in that I just I just trust that God does something and awakes us to his life. I mean he's already woken us up. Come on. No yawning now, I'm watching you. All right. <laughs> Father, will you come and will you do something amazing in our hearts as we waken up? And Father, I, I want to pray for every person. Every person that's walked in, maybe you've walked in and thought, ah, oh, this is just another Sunday. You know, let's just go to church. And <laughs> maybe you've had a really rough week. Maybe things haven't worked out. Maybe you've made mistakes. Maybe you've let yourself down. Maybe you've said things you wished you'd never said God wants to awaken us this morning to his form, his nature, and specifically his delight. God delights in us, and so we delight in him. So Father, as we stand here, Lord, will you just come and and just put your arms around us? Will you come and just surround us with the fullness of your presence? May the fullness of your presence not just be words we say, but can we experience you as Jesus Christ, the real living Son of God, through whom we have access to all of God's riches. And Father, I just I pray, Lord, for people now that are in a place where they're not sure whether they're following their own will or God, I want to ask, Lord, that you will open the door of their hearts. I just see a key being inserted into our hearts. 
where we become aware that God placed in us special desires that are so secret and unique to every single one of us. And I just see him unlocking those secret desires. Unlocking those things. And he's saying, it's my will that you will find your own desires. It's my will that you will see the things that I planted inside of you. It's my will that you will see all of the goodness and the bounty that I've placed inside of your heart. And God comes and he unlocks the door. And I see him just awakening us to life. And I want to declare that this church will never fall asleep. That this church will never fall back. That the people in this church, that every person sitting here today, will never just get too tired. (laughs) Will never be too afraid, too anxious. But we will walk in every sphere, in in every sector of the community, in every space that we can have our hands on, we will walk and we will be full of joy and life because of the life that you've come to give us. And Jesus, we receive you not just as our Savior, but we receive you as the giver of life. And you embrace that fear and that anxiety. You sweat blood. You were so afraid. But you stepped over the boundary of fear and conquered even death. And we thank you for that life. And we receive your salvation. And we receive you in our hearts (laughs) as you open up doors to the desires you've given us. And you open up doors to a brand new life. In Jesus' name, and every person says, Amen. Come on. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.